So recently I was interviewed or this afternoon I was interviewed by another coach and he's talking about the law of modeling and the law of modeling um, is one of John Maxwell's 15 laws of growth. Has anybody read John Maxwell's book, the 15 laws of growth? It's a green book. And it's a really, yeah, thanks. That's right. It's a really important book. I think, you know, personal growth, right? Personal growth is by far um, the, the only way, the only way that you can guarantee your life is better tomorrow than it is today. Right? So being intentional with your personal growth is critical to the success of not only you personally and professionally, but also the organization or the team that you lead. So we were talking about, well, what are, what are the challenges, right? So, you know, Tracy just, you know, mentioned this, um, this, oh my gosh, look at this toolkit. Boy, it's beautiful. It's got great graphics, lots of information. Uh, how in the HE double hockey sticks do we get from here to there? And so the largest gap in life, right? It's not the, the, the Grand Canyon, but that's up there. It's the gap between what we know and what we actually do. So for example, if someone were to ask you advice on something, what's a recent question someone was asked advice on? Put it in the chat box or somebody share. What's something someone, someone asked you recently? Come on, Annette. I know everybody's running to you for stuff. Come on. Come on, Yvonne. What's, what's one thing? Keisha? Could have been like, you know, does my shirt match my pants? I, I, I don't know. Uh, what, what will, the, well, don't that, that's such, okay. What will the school year look like? Perfect. Okay, Serena. I'll play your game. What will the school year look like? And so when they would come to me for advice, I would typically say, well, if I came to you with the same question, how would you advise me? And typically, the people have very good answers to those questions. And then I'll respond, well, have you tried any of those? Right? So when we put ourselves in a situation where we have to overcome some massive obstacles, we typically are thinking about steps 15, 16, and 17 before even thinking about step one. We've already locked ourselves into this fear or um, I'm not gonna get it right, right? Or I don't have the resources to do that, or I don't know the how to do that. And oh my God, you're right, it's just too much. So most people just end up quitting, right? Because it's overwhelming. So the number one um, cause of failure is not actually doing it wrong. It's actually not doing it. It's just procrastinating until it's too late. And then I have the built-in excuse of why it's not done. So I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this interview. And so everything worthwhile is uphill. So I, a few years ago, my partner and I, Jeff, 
we spoke at a conference in uh, Big Sky, Montana. Have any of you ever been to Big Sky, Montana? Anybody ever travel out there to Montana? Seems like it'd be a beautiful place right now, right? Because it's total social distancing, but it's so pretty and it's so beautiful. And so after we spoke the first two days, I'm like, let's not, let's not go to any sessions today. Let's, let's go climb that mountain. Let's go up to Big Sky. And so it was really great. On the way up there, there was a sign that um, because, the, uh, because the paths are so skinny, right, well, while you're climbing up this mountain, so there's this sign and it says, beware of uphill traffic. Beware of uphill traffic. And if anybody's been to any of my sessions, you know, before you've maybe heard me talk about John Maxwell says, everything worthwhile is uphill. And the typical problem with climbing uphill is all the traffic at the bottom of the hill, right? It's all the, it's all the people. Or here were a couple of other things that we thought about, right? So naysayers. So one thing we're all going to need to do is avoid naysayers right now because we're trying to move them out. And so some of these naysayers are sometimes the closest people to you. It might be your loved one and, um, or just, you know, someone who's, who's, who you uh, rely on and they're just, you know, oh, it just can't be done or, or maybe we just shouldn't try or we shouldn't even just, you know, do that. It's just, you know, too much. And, and for me, I think the biggest naysayer in my life is my grandmother. She's like 88 years old. And anytime I talk to her, she says, oh, you know, Tommy, uh, you know, why don't you go back to that nice, safe government job, you know, and, 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 and just, you know, you don't have to work so much. And I'm like, mama, I can pay my bills. We have health insurance. We're, you know, we're fine. But it's, she's been programmed to keep me safe, right? That's, that's her job. <laughs> that's what naysayers do. They're programmed to keep people safe. Just like the human brain, the human brain's also trained to keep us safe. And, and, you know, just like, you know, just like sometimes members of our family, like, like I've learned, I've learned Tracy and everybody that if the masses of the people are trying to influence you to stay away from something, especially if they're the play it safe uh, people, you're probably on the right track of an amazing breakthrough. So as you're, as you're navigating through this work and to get to your plan, you're going to have to really fight hard to stay away from the negative Nazis. It's just going to be a battle, right? You know, you're either, you're either for me or you're against me and whatever you're, you know, whether it's a personal challenge you're trying to overcome or plan for your return to school, either way, there's naysayers everywhere. The next one was self doubt. And Zig Ziglar said the most powerful voice you'll hear all day is your own. So be really careful what you say to yourself. And, and these negative thoughts about whether we're good enough to succeed often leads us to talking ourselves of starting anything. So, so right now, you guys have to say, you know, like Stuart Smalley, here we go. I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. And I'm going to, I'm going to succeed with whatever it is that my, you know, you know, that I put in front of me. The third one was fear of failure. And, and you can't take the counsel of your fears because it might paralyze you from taking action. And 99% and of the time, that fear that we feel is more paralyzing than the actual consequences of the action, right? I mean, that's really what procrastination is. I mean, when you think about it, it's the fear of not getting it right and the fear of critique or, or criticism or letting people down 
that's actually more paralyzing than taking that step forward and trying. It's amazing how, how cunning and strong um, self-will can be, both ways, <laughs> right? To keep you safe uh, or to keep you persistent. Uh, poor planning uh, can be an issue, right? A goal without a wish is just a dream. So, so one way that you're going to succeed, and, and, and we've been talking together since April 2nd. Like, if you guys realize, I mean, this is 10 weeks. Somehow, uh, most of you have stayed on this call with us for 10 weeks. And so, but you've got, we, we, that first call was all about vision building, vision casting, um, uh, future positive, you know, thinking, what will it look like, and really trying to eliminate anything that's a, um, you know, future negative, right? Like unintended consequences of what we do. So one of the keys is, is if you haven't written out, if you haven't journaled out what it is you want based upon now the guidance that we've received from the health and human services and, and, and some support from DPI, and then you've got your local stuff, like what is it that you want students to achieve? What do you want that first day of school to look like and feel like? What do you want you know, parents to know and understand about the program? Just, just start there. Don't worry about how to do it. It's irrelevant. And if someone asks you how you're going to do it all, you say, I don't know. But I know this. They're 3D printing esophaguses now to keep people alive. <laughs> if they can do that, darn it, like we could figure this out. Amazing people have accomplished amazing things with way more challenging circumstances than what we're about to face. We can do it. Self-leadership. We've talked a lot about self-leadership during our 10 weeks together. You can't lead yourself. You can't lead anyone else. Okay. So the first thing you need to do is be making sure you're taking care of you. Okay. So taking care of you. Don't just talk, right? Make sure your walk matches your talk. Keep a positive attitude, right? Your attitude is going to determine your altitude. And it's always going to determine what you think. It's pretty much the only thing that you can control in your life is your attitude. That's it. That's your choice. Being great is a choice. Choosing your attitude, thinking positively will get you there. Um, watch out for your ego, right? Um, Put all your faulty assumptions and judgments aside. This is a time for you not to go by yourself. It's a time to rally your team and empower people and best idea wins, no matter what. And don't worry about being perfect because you're not gonna be perfect. And it's going, to, it's going to have challenges and it's gonna have things that go wrong, uh, but you cannot allow your need per, for perfection stop you from moving forward. And you all have this perfection disease inside you. That's why you're exceptional children's directors. You would not have gotten to this role, R-O-L-E, if you weren't, if you didn't have some sort of like disease, this perfection disease, this workaholism, because you are a productive leader. In the John Maxwell's five levels of leadership, you have crushed level three, which is production. That's why you're in this job. I hope you know that and understand that. But you're going to have to jump and build your wings on the way down on this. And the last thing is you're going to have to prioritize. Okay? 
And so the key is to not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. So what are those most important things that you know that you have to have in place in order to ensure the first day of school? All right, so those were, those were some of the things that I jotted down in trying to get from here to there, avoid naysayers, avoid self-doubt, get over your fear of failure, plan your work and work your plan, don't procrastinate, lead yourself, choose your attitude, check your ego, strive for perfection, but don't let it get in your way and prioritize what's most important. What else did I miss? What else could possibly get in your way of success? Go ahead, Annette, I hear it. It's coming. Me. That's exactly right. You're the only person that can stop you, Annette. I've known you yep. for a year and a half now. It's it, right? I'm the only one who can stop me. No one else can do it. All right? It's us getting yep. in our own way. We need to know all the answers right now. Well, so you're not going to know anything. You're not going to know it. You know a little bit more at five o'clock today if you listen to that webinar. You'll know a little bit <laughs> yeah. more every day. I mean, that's it. We're not going to know it all. But if you've been to a restaurant or a food store, you've seen it, right? So now yep. you have a visual of what it could look like. And you can start to think, like, I was walking around Aldi's. And then I went to, I went to some... I don't know, like a flame of Moe's or Moe's, I don't know, whatever. I went there and I was like, oh, I could see how this could be a school. Now, then you have to think through, okay, what are the things we have to put in place and teach kids to be able to function in a social distancing environment? We talked about a couple of weeks ago, what are the things that we need to make sure we can learn face-to-face -face versus things that we're, we could probably hopefully teach them remotely or in a hybrid version? There's lots of different things that are possible, but the only thing that you can control is the outcome that you desire to see. This is what I want to see. So what scares you all about that? It's perfectly fine because everybody's feeling it. You wouldn't be human otherwise. Most of you, if not all of you, are going to be out of compliance. Done. You are, right? Something's going to fall through the cracks. This is the first time I've ever been out of compliance, yeah, and I don't like it. And you don't like it. That's right, because you I don't like it. it because you feel like it somehow attacks you personally. And Tracy can contest to that. Yeah. I've not been out of compliance since I've been doing this until now. You know what the hardest lesson was for me in leadership to actually learn and understand? What's that? That it has nothing to do with me. True. It's not about my score. It's not about, you know, my, my personal intentions. It's about what people are going to remember and the end result. So will the kids stay in compliance? No, because you're going to fix it. Right. 
if they go to another school system, you're going to make sure that they know and say, hey, we just weren't able to fix it, but whatever we need to do, let me know. We'll fix it. Because that's who you are, that's self-leadership. And people are going to come to you with a file that's going to be, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But then you have to think to yourself, have I ever gotten a file that was out of compliance? Yes. Yes. I know exactly what to do with it, and I'm just going to do it, and it's going to take me extra time and effort. But we're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Right? What are you thinking, Shannon, Jennifer, Lori, and Sarita, Pam, Yvonne, Tracy? Tracy's driving around. Tracy, we can see right up your sunroof there. What do you got going out there? Look, the sun's out, everybody. I haven't been outside all day. Looks hot out. So I was in my I was in the work and now um, I'm headed to doctor's appointment. So I did want to miss our call. Yeah, so, so what are your thoughts, uh, Tracy, as a former DPI compliance officer? Like, what would be your advice to, you know, exceptional children's directors about their fears about compliance and regulatory issues and serving kids? Well, thank you for asking. I think that we're going to have some flexibility and leniency uh, this year because we've been out of school. So we know that referrals are going to be out of date. We know that reavals are going to be out of date. You know, hopefully everybody's been able to complete the IEP, um, you know, when they were due by doing them remotely. But I think that, you know, like you said, make a plan, stick with the plan, don't get overwhelmed. You know, the only one that can stop you is you. So think about what needs to be done. Call DPI if you need, you know, some assistance. But I really do believe that, you know, because of the situation. And then when we get back to school, is it going to be brick and mortar, or is it going to be uh, kids coming uh, part of the week and then the rest doing remote? I mean, it, 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 we certainly are going to get more direction from the Department of Public Instruction. Yeah. So, but I, but I think you know we know that records come out of compliance. You know the first thing we want to do is go into ECATS and see what can we look for historically. I mean that's you know the blessing about ECATS and everybody using it is that you've got the student history, you've got the information from PowerSchool that loads in there, you've got the information from other um, LEAs and charters. So you know if something wasn't done. You can see that it wasn't done. Now, you know, you might not actually have the forms, but you can see if, if an event occurred. Yep. Yeah, and yep. you can also take take your list, and these are the things that I know. These are the requirements. I know that we're going to have a BOG for third grade kids in the first, you know, 10 days. We're also going to have a BOG for, like, an EOG for fourth grade kids, right? They've already put those things out. I know that we have to have, you know, jumpstart for K to 4, you know, there's, there's, there's things that are out there that you can start to, to plan around, to plan your calendar those first 90 days of school and say, these are the things that we need to accomplish during those first 90 days of school or 45 days of school. It's probably not going to look too much differently than, than it would, except we just don't know whether I'm going to be in a box or in the school. You're going to ask me about this fourth grade test and that? Yeah, go back and say that again. They're going to have EOGs the first few days of school. Yeah, so just like they normally have the BOG for third graders, 
At the end of the school year? No, at the start of a third grade year, they have a BOG, a beginning of oh, school. Oh, the benchmark. Sorry, your high school. Yeah, no. Yeah, they have the benchmarks. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you said EOG. Okay. It is. Oh, they're going to have the benchmarks. No, no, listen. At the, at the first, your high school, at the first 10 right. days of school, they give third graders a beginning of the year test. It's a B-O-Y uh, test. Oh, okay. All right, so then they have at the end of third grade, when they take the EOG, they can actually track these kids' progress, right? Right. Because there was no EOG in third grade, next year, fourth graders are also going to have to take this test so oh. that they can take their beginning of the year and their technically end of the year so they have stuff for nieces moving forward. But your high school, oh, okay. that's, that's why you were looking so confused. I saw when I say your face changed right away because body language is 55% of communication. So I already knew right there. It's like, all right, and that's going to have a question. <laughs> yeah, so we know there's some things in place. So you could even start that way, start to map out. Okay, these are the things that I know. These are the things that I'm not sure of. I'm not going to look at those, but I'm going to think on them, but I'm going to do the things I know I can put in place. I know I'm going to have out of compliance, you know, stuff. I know I've got these kids past their 90 days. Like, what could I start to do to, uh, you know, manage all that? And if I were your principal, I would ask all of you, I want you to dissect and analyze what works well and what doesn't work well with not only our exceptional children's program, but our, um, our progress monitoring program to get here. And um, how do we fix it during this time of uh, not being in brick and mortar? And, uh, or how do we improve it during this time? Because I think for me, Prevention and intervention is the key to a school's long-term success, short and long-term success. And I think a lot of schools struggle with prevention and intervention. Uh, so for me, that's what I would be looking for as a school leader is, hey, what, what measures can we put in place? What things could we put in place to identify um, where students are every single year and have a consistent data measure when kids come to our school and, and know and understand and follow them through the process to know that our education plan actually works. Because um, for me, I think that's a big part of our job as an exceptional children's teacher, typically results from poor interventions, right? I mean, kids fall behind typically because lack of, lack of intervention, lack of catching you know, students faster, lack of you know, putting them in a, in a um, consistent, plan and system to to build those foundational skills to at least maintain you know growth and not fall farther and farther behind um, so for me that would be a giant value add i think to an organization is is um, evaluating our current prevention and intervention systems and i don't know if all the schools on here have really good ones that they want to share like how do you how does like if a kid comes into your school do they have some sort of assessment is there some sort of, you know, systemic process to take them from here to there in terms of um, where they are, what's their current the reality in terms of their current results education-wise, and then move them onto a track to be faster? And Shannon's got a question in the chat box, if anybody knows. 
Uh, and uh, Tracy, I'll read it for you since you're driving. Does anyone on this call know if the MTSS module will be working in ECATS next year? I was working on NTSS implementation this morning and it, and it came up. It is supposed to be. I'm not, I'm not sure if it will be or not, but I can follow up and then send you something, Tom. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, we've got I a couple answers. Yeah, oh, Jennifer okay. Snyder says yes, it will. Lori Lures, I think, was telling us yes, it will. It says it's active now, but the training isn't ready. Does that help, Shannon? Yeah. Perfect. Yep. So what else? Okay. So do we want to go through the health thing? Do we want to talk about something else? Do we want to finish up? What do you guys want to do? There's there's nine of you on this call. So how so so what's a question that you have for each other that you need answered? I don't know how how often you get to talk to eight other EC directors. Well, I think that we will get some answers at the four o'clock meeting today. I'll be on that call. Um, I'm overwhelmed, just as Tracy said at the beginning of the call. There's there's just this barrage of information, and then to weed it out. And we as a school haven't haven't made up a definite plan either, so I can't even piggyback on what they're doing. So it's pretty much, you know, <laughs> what are, what are we gonna do? <laughs> So um, I'm hoping that with just a, a little bit more time, we're gonna get some answers on uh, a little bit more on the parameters. And then uh, I'm gonna go back to my teachers and find out what absolutely cannot happen <laughs> next year that happened last year that uh, was just you know the, the tipping point for overwhelmed and um, something that they cannot sustain uh, going forward. So those are, that's sort of on my radar. Lori, how many teachers do you all have at well, we Brevard? Have, I don't have many, so I have three. I have uh, three EC teachers and I have uh, a speech pathologist who are all full-time and I have two assistants. And if you were to put, if everybody, this is for everybody, not your story. If you were to put the information coming in into buckets, what would the buckets be that are important to exceptional children's directors? Well, I definitely uh, need a progress monitoring system if we have to progress monitor online, which right now, you know, they're asking us not to do. Uh, they okay. want to wait till everything is face to face. And so that's why we have IEPs that are not up current and, and it makes it very difficult for planning. And then I have, I have a ton of kids who are still in the evaluation process because we can't follow through with the initial referrals. All right. So we've got data collection is one bucket. I heard compliance is a second bucket, right? Yeah. What else? Service delivery. service delivery. Yeah, service delivery. Good. It is the best format. Yeah. Okay. What else, everybody? Tracy, you can't tease us like that. You can't unmute yourself and then not say anything. What do you think, Sarita? You're a you're a brand new exceptional children's director at your school. Like when you came to the school, how did you 
start to process all the different information? Um, basically what I did was, like I said, I'm a big data person. So I tried to see what data points they had already within this school. And then I tried to figure out um, kind of from like a bird's eye lens to look at what may be working, what may not be working, and then try to make amends to the processes that they pretty much currently have. And then the one thing um, that I found was the simple fact that again, the reevaluation eligibility, like I was saying, some of our students hadn't been reevaluated since elementary school. So looking at that, it was like, what type mm. of programmings are we providing when you don't have that data there? So I tried to kind of create other little small tools to try to get them the information that they need to kind of determine whether that's going to be a good choice or not. So I guess my struggle too has also been just trying to find specific data points that will lend a lens to understanding which way to go with specific students and to kind of direct teachers in a way that it's data driven. Yeah. I, okay. So I like that. So, so these, so these are the four uh, buckets th that I heard you guys all talk about so far in this call. One is data collection. So that goes from progress monitoring already, you know, from, you know, the whole process, compliance, mm -hmm. compliance, yeah. service delivery, right? Whatever that model yeah. will be. And then yeah. calendar and time, right? That's just kind of that whole thing. So if you had four staff members, right? Uh -huh. You could empower everybody to be in charge of one of these buckets, right? That's one way to, to um, uh, dwindle down the amount of overload information that's coming in uh -huh. and how they could start to work uh, together as a group, everybody. Um, and because, uh, because I'm realizing here that, you know, of these items, one pretty much dictates the next. So the service, the, the general education schooling is going to determine somewhat how you do your service de delivery model. Mm -hmm. So you either have it as fully remote or fully brick and mortar or hybrid, right? It's one of those three. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. right? So someone could just be in charge of mapping out. Here's how we're going to do. This is easy brick and mortar. We know, and here's the improvements. Here's the remote learning. Here's what we know. And here's the improvements. And then mm -hmm. hybrid might be the only one that you guys haven't really figured out, but it's just about taking the best of both worlds. Yeah. Definitely. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's one bucket, right? The, the whole um, data collection piece. So what, what other types of data? So you said specifically, Lori, progress monitoring towards goals. So you're asking how to collect the data or what data we collect? What, what do you need to know in terms of data collection, everybody? Well, I think that my frustration was that we couldn't do it online. So the teachers were, were wanting to do it and had materials, um, but the message we were getting was that unless it was a face-to-face, -face, it would not be uh, considered valid. From, from the state's recommendations you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay, so that was only if you didn't meet those seven criteria. Yeah, so if we had the data already together, 
together and gathered before March or in March. You know, the meetings that were already scheduled and the plan, you know, if we had students that were already, that we knew what the plan would be, we could go forward with those kind of meetings. Mm -hmm. We could go forward with transition meetings for my eighth graders. Um, but, you know, anything new, if we were doing anything new or trying to figure out if they've made any progress in that fourth quarter, we were really not able to do that. Yeah. So what, so what could you do leading up to the uh, school year? I just put in here in the box, what needs to be true to get the information you need? What needs to happen? I mean, that could. I may just go out and buy some plexiglass windows with, with a slot yeah. <laughs> so you can pass something through and um, try to have some face-to-face -face interactions with our students. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong illegally with having small groups of 10 or less. Right. Right. But right now, there are no students in the building. So until we get permission to get them in the building, we can't even do that. That's a local decision or a, or a state decision? State. Okay. Can't can have kids in your building? Nope. Not yet. Well, maybe at four o'clock you'll find out something different. Maybe. Okay, but you could do some sort of outdoor one-on-one -on -one assessment, right? At like a picnic yeah. table or a controlled environment. Um, I imagine we could, yeah. Uh, Shannon says my OT said that their governing body will not allow them to do motor bus. Yeah. Yep. So tele, was it called tele, tele services or, uh, you know, that was something that may need, you know, to be. So looking at some of those, you know, components, you know, for the future is, is also, we don't really have a related services. Well, that would be the service delivery model bucket. What do you think about these four, these four buckets? Would these be the buckets that would drive, drive all the information coming in or is there a fifth bucket or do we need to take, take one off? What, what are you thinking, Matt? I know you've been thinking a lot about this. I think we need to do the drive. Say it again? I think we need them all to get the full drive. Yeah. If we want a true picture. Right. Yep. So taking those four, and then if you're not at a place, you could just ask your team, like, what do we... What do we need to know in each bucket to move forward? Mm -hmm. And then you can have your team investigate each, each one of those buckets. And that's pretty much what we're going to be doing this, this coming week on our retreat. That's right. Yeah, you guys got your retreat going on. Yeah, I mean, usually when I work with boards or leadership teams, when they're really struggling, I just, I just go around the room and I say, what do you need to know to make this decision this really big important decision and it's usually not always big things they just need to talk it out so if you're not giving your team space to collaborate and talk it out um just like annette is doesn't have to be a retreat but do that and say hey what are all the questions that we need answered to be able to design the best program and plan uh, that's gonna um, make us all feel a little bit better So we're going to look at, for ours on the retreat, we're going to look at coming full force 
uh, with the brick and mortar schedule for our team? And then what if we do the AB plan half day or, you know, and then how will we serve the kids that way? And then if we're, God forbid, not in school at all, plan yeah. in the, and give it to administration so they can, when they're doing the matrix, getting us scheduled in their first yeah, yeah, I mean, if there's anything that we're learning from the Eastern Hemisphere is that schools are not creating a spike. So it's just the adults in the building you have to worry about. Um, I mean, they serve, you know, we, we had an Australian principal on in our inner circle group. I, I could reach out to him and ask him um, how they serve EC and maybe someone will be willing to come and spend time with us. Um, on one of these calls, would that be helpful? Yeah, that's great. It might not be at three o'clock because that's three o'clock in the morning their time. So we we just kind of have to work around them. Uh, okay, well, I'll I will reach out to him and see because I don't know how the I'm sure the laws have to be somewhat similar, but I, you know yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, but they might not have to serve everybody. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't know in certain you know countries, but I think in Australia they're pretty close to what we do. So. Okay. Um, yeah, that might be a thing because that helped the principals, right? Because this, yeah. this guy talked about how they had always had kids in the building and just they had less kids in the building. And um, it's a, you know, it's a district type school. So it's not a charter. It's different. Um, and then another friend of mine who lives in Australia, she said that uh, parents uh, are not able to come into the buildings and they just, you know, basically drop off kids. And that's pretty much it. And any uh, volunteers are limited and everybody has a, um, a checkpoint. You know, you get a temperature and a health screening before you're allowed in the building. So, but they're, but they're moving forward. No, no big issues yet. That's the way we're going to go. Go ahead, Tracy. I'm not sure if you can hear me because I keep playing with my mute button. Anyway, I think another thing that we need to consider and it, it wasn't brought up, but you know, we've got state COVID funds. And we've got federal COVID funds. And one of the things I'm hearing from our teachers that are doing remote learning is that they need curriculum. They need curriculum. They need programs that can be done both in a school setting and virtually. So I think that, you know, when we look at those things that we need for the beginning of next school year, you know, not only looking at gloves and masks and hand sanitizers and packaged food and all of that kind of thing, I think we need to look at what did we struggle with during this time with students with disabilities as far as curriculum and curriculum resources. Right. And I think we need to go to our principals and our superintendents and our head of schools and say, hey, this is what we really need to help our students make progress. Because progress monitoring is great, but if you don't have the resources to address the skill deficit, you're not going to make any progress. Yep. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was getting to. As If I were principal, I think I'd be thinking through that. How do I improve all aspects of my program? And part of this is getting better at having a consistent – if there's one thing that probably COVID has exposed is schools with a lack of consistent education plans across the board. And the more that you can gain consistency and clarity, and it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has to use the same program, but if we're all 
making sure we know where to find the curriculum, how we're teaching kids, how we're assessing kids, and how we're utilizing that data. If you can, if you can create alignment uh, with those three, what will kids learn? How, uh, uh, how will we know that they've learned it? And what do we do after? Then you've already, you've already uh, done an amazing job at improving your education plan, because that's huge. Plus, it would make your job so much easier because then you would know data coming in, how it's consistency, consistently collected and what it means. And then where do I, you know, how do I take a kid forward? That's what I loved about reading Mastery, not to, not to put a direct instruction program on everybody. But for me, oh, my gosh, that was like foolproof. It was so easy to know where a kid is and whether they were making progress or not. All right, so the other piece would be um, maybe there's, there's a bucket here that needs to be added in regards to having a clear understanding of the, the potential um, finance, uh, revenue and program evaluation, right? Or, how, or how, how we would spend that money. We talked about program evaluation last week a little bit and it seemed like the consensus was most of a, most of you have not had any sort of program evaluation training right all right so any any last questions or thoughts before we before we uh, check out for the day and I will let you know that next week I'm going on vacation, so I will miss you all tremendously. There will be no call. Uh, we will be launching uh, multiple programs over the summer to support uh, uh, teacher leaders and exceptional children's directors. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. We would love to have you as part of our leadership cohort and consortiums uh, as we kick off uh, July. Um, continuing this conversation with a, uh, you know, a group of like-minded individuals uh, aiming to, to, to get the best results, but you know, uh, collaborating as a team to be able to do that and um, shared, uh, shared practices. And part of that program, you know, Annette went through the uh, teacher leader one is, you know, we would meet on campus, right? We would find a school that's, you know, part of our cohort and we would, we would learn about their exceptional children's program and learn, you know, directly from their team how they do things. Uh, and, and then uh, we would do that once a quarter. And then in the middle, uh, we would collaborate, but there would also be some EC training, um, leadership training uh, in, in uh, between. So hopefully that's something that interests you. I don't, I don't know if that's out there, uh, but it's something that we're doing based upon the 10 things that you told me last week that would be helpful for you. So look, looking for that. So any other thoughts, comments, goodbyes? Anybody learn anything from the lesson on procrastination? Don't do it. So get started. Whatever it is, just get started. So, all right, everybody, you have a wonderful week. Enjoy your call with the, um, with the uh, Health and Humane Services. If you need anything, reach out and email. Uh, love you all. And I, I believe in you and I believe in your dreams of the perfect first day of school. So you can do it. You can do it. I'm here to help. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Wait a minute, Tom. Don't hang up. Wait. I didn't ask you a question after everybody oh, gets Okay, go ahead. Bye-bye, everybody.